Sorry, I've been infiltrated by Chinese spies. <laughs> They've been filling my head. With <laughs> that's because you, you have TikTok. <laughs> yeah, get off TikTok. <laughs> Welcome to Bench Reactions, an NBA podcast brought to you by Friday Night. I'm your host, Patrick Hervey, <laughs> and I'm joined today by the Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon. Wait, isn't it Sunday, though? Dan Lyons and Zach Burnham. You weren't supposed to. You weren't supposed to tell the fans. Son, Dan, I'm nuts. morning. <laughs> you sure? You sure? <laughs> you sure about that? Are you sure about you that? Sure about that? You sure, oh sure about gosh. that? Why? You just you just missed me giving you the Obi Wan and Qui Gon to my Anakin intro. Dibs Qui Gon. Did you hear that part? Double dibs. Did you hear that part? <laughs> dibs Qui Gon. <laughs> i'm quite on always <laughs> every time dude my buddy just showed me this video where they replaced obi-wan kenobi <laughs> with the ubi doofy kenobi <laughs> like a like ai did it it's <laughs> so, <laughs> just in everything it's incredible <laughs> uh, so like, an- <laughs> like anakin <laughs> on, on musafar it's all Ubi Dooby Kadoobie's fault, isn't it? <laughs> the AI in it is actually incredible. It's it's uh, I'm like, this is this is peak robot. <laughs> the robots aren't gonna do any better than this. I highly recommend. There I ruined it YouTube channel. If you want more <laughs> AI hilariousness. Dare I ruined it. Oh my I'm gosh. In. I'm in. Count me in. All right, well, on today's episode, we are going to continue our preseason prep. We're getting close to the end of this, um, but then we'll wrap up with Dan's Mud Pie moment of the week at the end. But first, let's get to some news from this week, boys. Uh, we're going to talk about Dame here for a minute. I know we talked about the Trailblazers last week, but there have been uh, apparently some teams other than the Heat that have emerged as possible trade destinations for Dame. So Toronto and Chicago have officially entered the chat uh, trade talks have been reported to be, quote, intensifying, end quote, but no trade is imminent. I want to get your guys' thoughts on both of those places. I think all of us have have just, I don't know, at least for me, it's been made up in my mind that he's going to Miami. It's just a matter of time. How do you guys feel about uh, the Chicago slash Toronto possibilities? I know, Zach, you've got some, you've got some burning takes to get off your chest. I'll, I'll kick it over to you to start this. I think the Toronto one is at least interesting because they have the pieces to make a deal happen. They have an all-star, well, quasi-all-NBA level guy in Pascal already on the team. They have OG, a good young player. They have Scotty Barnes, who just over a year ago was too good to trade for Kevin Durant, apparently. Makes me wonder if they'd be willing to trade him now. But honestly, as I think through the possible trades, I don't see a deal that could get done without Scotty Barnes being involved. If they trade Pascal, I think the team just isn't good enough, even with Dame, to make a major difference. Like, they'd probably be a solid playoff team, but they're definitely not going to push up on those top teams in the Eastern Conference. If you do like the three first-round picks that they can trade, plus OG and other stuff, that's okay, I guess. OG's a good player, but he's coming up on an, on an extension, and I I don't really know if Portland is going to view him as like this major win here i guess they could try to flip him for more picks or something bring a third team in that's a possibility but pretty much i just see it's scotty barnes or nothing and the funny thing is that i actually kind of like og and pascal next to dame more than keeping scotty barnes there and scotty barnes for the blazers would be a coup like scotty barnes next to scoot is like a future uh, a future that you could really get behind but even with all of these thoughts even with if they were able to do the Scotty Barnes deal relatively straight up for Dame, obviously they need to figure out how to match the salaries. I still don't know how good Toronto is going to be. Like, do you guys think that they're good enough to compete with the Milwaukee or Boston? I think that if Masai were to do that, it would be him betting on just the, the chaos in the East intensifying, right? So you've got Giannis coming out with all his weirdness in the last couple of weeks about his extension. And I feel like that's taking a weird turn. Boston, I think we can continue to rely on Boston, at least in the regular season, to be a you know 50-plus win team and be in that top probably three-seed spot. Miami, if Dame doesn't go to Miami, I mean, that's going to be an interesting conversation for us to have next week when we talk about the Heat. Um, and then 
Philly is just in complete upheaval right now. So unless you feel really good about the the Cavs and kind of what they have brewing and, and some of their kind of up and coming talent, which I think they'll be a really good regular season team. I don't know if I'm ready to to put the stamp on them being a, a postseason juggernaut by any means, especially after how last season went. And then the Knicks are the other team that, that comes to mind. So I don't think that I look at that team in a vacuum as, hey, this is you know clearly the best team in the East. But I think that they could vie for one of those top probably four or five seed, you know, four or five spots in the, in the East. And then, man, you never know in the playoffs, like Dame is a killer in the playoffs. And if he has a team around him that, you know, can compete, I do think that on paper, that team makes sense to me, right? You've got Siakam, you've got OG. And then, um, why am I, why am I drawing a blank on the center? San Antonio center that, Purtle. oh, Pirtle. Oh, Pirtle. I like Pirtle on that team too. I mean, it's, there, there's not a, yeah. a ton of spacing, but Dame creates, space kind of on his own so i do like the team dude you forgot about the dixter how could i forget about the dixter (laughs) i wonder if he i think he'd be possibly included in the trade potentially depending on if they give up i mean if they give up scotty i guess maybe not but you can't can't give up the dixter i think if they give up scotty then they will probably be able to keep grady dick but if they were going the og route it'd probably be og and grady dick plus the three first round picks and i when the more i think about that that actually is a pretty good offer that's probably better than the Miami offer if they were willing to do it. I just, I don't love the fit of Pascal and Scotty together. I think one of those guys has to go at some point. I really like OG and Scotty or OG and Pascal. And I think Pas- Pascal this year gets you further in the East than Scotty Barnes does. And if you're going to get Dame Lillard, you're, you're really banking on this year and next year. So why hang on to Scotty in that case? I don't know. I like the idea of Masai just continuing to hire guns out, right? He's like, ah, it worked in 2019. Let's, let's just run it back. I, yeah, I, to like your earlier point about like, could they hang with, with, with the teams in the East? I think that's a pretty big question mark. Even like it's, it's been interesting as, as this whole Dame saga has like unfurled as we've thought about, the different places where Dame could land in the East. I find myself being like, I don't really know if he could, if, if all of that would tip really, really materially tip the needle in whichever team he landed to be favorites, like in the East, even with Miami, right? Even if they, even if he does end up in Miami, I don't know if what they give up is going to be worth what they they get in return. I just kind of like the idea of, of Dame, in Toronto and the side just continue to be like, nobody wants to come to Toronto. So I'm going to make you come here. There's always a good chance that Dame could ask out a year later too, especially if they don't win the championship, which would be just right on point for Toronto, bringing a guy for a year and then let him move (laughs) on and try to rebuild. But Masai could do it. He knows how to, he's rebuilt multiple times now. So yeah, a lot of that depends on again, what you think about Scotty. I know I brought that up in our, our, uh, episode last week when we talked about the Raptors. Um, I do think his value has dropped from year one to year two, but I think he can potentially rebuild that in, in year three. I'm. What about Chicago for you guys? Because this is the one that doesn't, it just doesn't make sense to me. I, I don't get it. Like, I, I don't know what the point of that would be. I don't know. Are you pairing DeMar and Dame and just hoping that offensively they can be a juggernaut? I, I just don't see it, man. I don't get it. Yeah, again, I, I to me everything begins and starts in Chicago with Vooch because like like Vooch has been like a big part of that team and Vooch is I I do like Vooch, you know, old uh, Orlando Magic alumni shout out, but <sighs> that team like defensively isn't going to get it done with 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 Vooch at center. And then they right obviously with Lonzo and, and Caruso they had something really good defensively going with with those guys, but again what they give up in return for Dame like what again how does that move the needle I don't think I hesitate to say that they're they would be like as bad as Portland you know with but yeah I just don't see them being like that good and I could definitely see like Chicago's front office talking themselves into getting Dame right like hey we need a marketing player. We need somebody to pair with with DeRozan or with Zach Levine, blah, blah, blah. Like, I can easily see why a front office would talk themselves into it. But I, I cannot see them being, a, like, a great team with Dame on it. 
Weren't they really good defensively last year somehow? Yeah, they're like top five. I, I, yeah. It never made sense to me. It blows my mind. They were maybe, top five? Yeah. And maybe we're not giving Vooch enough credit. Maybe he's gotten better. But I thought the same thing. Like, this trade, Dame's not a great defender. DeRozan is, is an average defender at best. Vooch is, I mean, maybe he's better than I thought. I don't know. They do have Caruso, who's maybe the best defensive guard in the league, if not, you know, top three to five. Um, I feel like with most Dame deals, you're going to need more teams involved. I just don't see this happening without Zach Levine being included in the, in the deal. They don't have enough young guys to entice Portland to make a trade. And they don't have enough guys with contracts outside of Levine or DeRozan, but I would rather keep DeRozan. Um, uh, the young guys definitely aren't better than what Miami's offering. So I think it has to include Levine. And there's going to have to be a third team because if you bring Levine to Portland – you either have to move him onto that third team or you have to move Simons onto a, another team. Um, there's, I, don't, I don't think there's a way for Scoot and Zach Levine and Simons to, to uh, coexist. But I, I actually kind of like, like Lillard, DeMar, and Caruso as like your starting point. If they re-sign DeMar, but he's getting older, Dame's getting older, and they need to figure out that on the defensive end what are they doing with their forward positions, their center position, to be able to have a good enough defense to compete in the East? I would love Lonzo next to Dame, but you know, don't want to open up that uh, that wound again. Hopefully, we can see <laughs> too soon. <laughs> Metaphorically, too- <and> literally <laughs> speaking, too soon. Um, okay, well, let's move on to our next uh, piece of news. We're gonna let Mr. Dan Lyons clear out about this one. <laughs> There are reports that uh, that that Danny Ainge and the Utah Jazz are super super interested in trading for Tyler Hero. If this Dame trade goes down and Portland is looking to reroute uh, Hero to another team, Danny Ainge would be knocking on their door because why not get another white guy on the Jazz, right, Dan? Oh, my goodness, the best right as as you said, right? Jazz Twitter is going off with like these, um, and as Zach mentioned earlier, right with all these Dame trades, it's likely that they're going to have to involve another team. And so just Jad's Twitter went nuts with being like, oh yeah, we we can facilitate another one. And in this deal, we can get Tyler Hero. I'm just like, why? Why do we need another Jordan Clarkson like on the team? We already have, we have Jordan Clarkson at home. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, And he takes away from the development of some of the young guys, right? Like Keontae yeah. George? Like, I, I don't know. I, yeah, I don't love like, it. No, I I don't love it at all either, right? Like in terms of of skill set, it's it's just it it is overlap with with Clarkson cuz Hero's not a playmaker, right? He's he's not somebody that at this point, I mean, I guess he could hypothetically develop into a playmaker what he's 23, 24. And so like hypothetically he could um but again, I just come back to like why? We don't like Danny, what are you thinking? This see Tyler Hero is like yeah, I don't know. The the value that, that they've placed on him, it's strange, especially to your point, Pat. We have a lot of really good young talent, or at least we have a lot of young talent with, with a lot of upside. Um, with, frankly, I think, like higher ceilings than than Tyler Hero, especially in, in terms of like two-way potential. Um, at, at, Unless at he's this like point. literally just thinking about it as, as asset acquisition. I mean, I, I will say this. I do think that Tyler Hero's underrated now. Like Miami went on this <laughs> Miami went on this run without him, right? And then now the the narrative has shifted to I don't want to say it's shifted completely to like this this dude's a bum and doesn't bring any value. He's really good. He's really good offensively. He was a sixth man of the year a year ago, you know, the previous season. So I he's a good player. I just don't understand it. I don't understand the move for the Jazz specifically because to your point, Dan, they've got young talent. They've got other guys that they're invested in, and I just think there's too much overlap with the skill set. Yeah, when when you're like he was sixth man of the year a year ago, you know who was sixth man of the year two years ago? Jordan Clarkson. <laughs> like, it's a great point. Like, great point. I, I just again, whenever I see like the Tyler Hero stuff, I'm like, we have Jordan Clarkson at home. We don't need more Jordan Clarkson. So I'm gonna go the complete opposite way. I actually think it would be a really good move. What? <laughs> I'm shocked. Shocked, I tell you. Okay, I'm not that we'll start with your Jordan Clarkson comment. Tyler Hero is much better than Jordan Clarkson. Oh, 
Jordan Clarkson is good at one thing, scoring. Jazz, jazz fans, if you want Zach's uh, address, it is one, two, three, Pakistan Lane, Pitchforks. Here we come. <laughs> Sorry, it's top top secret government address. I can't give it away. Clarkson, Clarkson's a good player. He's a scorer. Hero is also primarily a scorer, but if you watch the Heat last year, this is a guy who averaged over 20 points a game, was the second uh, creator on that team. He created more than, than Kyle Lowry, and he kind of was like unequal with Gabe Vincent for part of the year before he got hurt. But after Jimmy Butler, he was the guy creating. So he has playmaking talent, but he's really a two-guard. And that's the one position on the Jazz that I think is actually lacks some depth. Um, like you're right that his skill set overlaps with Jordan Clarkson, but I would rather have Tyler here on my team and seek to move Jordan Clarkson at some point during the year than have Jordan Clarkson. If you start thinking about the way that the Jazz are constructing their team, they bring in a guy like John Collins. Uh, last year they brought in Laurie Markinen, who at the time you also didn't think was like a big get, but he turns into this all NBA caliber type player. We don't really know what Jordan, or not Jordan, but uh, Tyler Hero's ceiling can be. And he kind of fits that mold of like the John Collins, the Laurie Markkinen, the and now Tyler Hero. They bring in these guys who can then reach their potential in Utah. And I don't think his skill set overlaps too much with Colin Sexton or with Keontae George, where he's going to be taking minutes away from them. Those guys are point guards, or at least they should be point guards. It's really just a, an argument of Jordan Clarkson versus Tyler Hero. So I, I actually like it if they can do it without moving too many assets. Well, we'll see if uh, Dan and Chase change their tune when Danny Ainge inevitably uh, makes this trade happen. How dare you besmirch uh, Agbaji's two guard minutes? How dare you? <laughs> Agbaji's a three. He's a three. <laughs> Absolutely uh, not. But I, I was actually looking at a potential deal like to facilitate the Miami and Portland trade, and it's going to be really hard to make a deal happen. I think the Jazz would have to give up like Olenek and THT and like someone like Bryce Sensabaugh or one of those younger guys plus a first round pick to get Hero. And that starts to feel like maybe too much, depending on how high you are on, on Bryce Sensabaugh. So. Are you sensible about Sensabaugh, Dan? No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Well, let's move to the. the- Perhaps the biggest piece of news before we get into our preseason prep here, and that is that Golden State, turns out, is not going to sign Dwight Howard. All right, on that note, let's move into our preseason prep here. Uh, <laughs> sorry, Dwight. Uh, we love you. I, w- I will say this. I do think that – I don't think Dwight's a complete bum. I, I do think he can provide some value to uh, to a team as a backup big. I'm a little bit surprised that none of these teams have, have gone out and, and gotten him. Is it – I mean, is it crazy? Maybe this is a crazy thing to say, but on this Lakers team, would you rather have Dwight Howard or Christian Wood? Ooh. Dwight Howard. I mean, probably. Okay. I'm not crazy. (laughs) I thought the same thing. Like, for what Dwight brings to the table, come in, be a bruiser, get rebounds, play defense. That's what they need. They don't need a Christian Wood. Sorry, Jay. Granted, we haven't seen Dwight play, uh, at least in in the NBA, in over a year. So we don't really know what he he is. He shoots threes now. Yeah. But as I said when we were talking about the Christian Wood deal, I just I feel like he doesn't fit with the Lakers squad. They have what he does already. They need a bigger center. Like we talked about, Biombo, Dwight Howard as potential guys there. So I don't know. Christian Wood is no doubt a better player, but I just don't love the fit. Yeah, I like to imagine that in the Golden State talks that he was talking. Who's their new GM now? It's not Bob Myers anymore. But he was talking to their new GM, and he was like. <laughs> I'm going to need at least 10 post-ups a game. Like he like played Dunleavy, in China. Right? Was it's like Dunleavy scoring. Jr., yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he's like posting up a bunch in China. And he's like, yeah, I can take these NBA guys. I need I need to get back to the league. And I need to post up again. And he's like, people in Taiwan are saying that I'm the Draymond Green of Taiwan. So maybe I could take his minutes. <laughs> oh, Draymond punched All right, him. this is too much to white talk. Let's move on to our preseason prep here. We've got two teams to talk about today. Again, we're running out of uh, teams to talk about. We're only going to have two teams next week that we'll talk about. But this week, we're going to focus on the San Antonio Spurs and the Philadelphia 76ers. Let's jump right into the Spurs 
taking a quick visit last or to last season. They finished last season 22 and 60. That was last in the West and tied with the Rockets for the second worst record in the league, only behind the Pistons. They were 29th on offense, 30th on defense. And I've said this before, I don't think I watched a single minute of Spurs basketball last season. Part of that was because I live in the market, and unfortunately, the games are blacked out, which is not ideal. Um, Off-season moves, Reggie Bullock joined via a trade with the Mavs and Celtics. Julian, is it Champagne? Is that how you pronounce that? I think it's only uh, in the, only the cha- region. Cha- cha- champagne. champagne. <laughs> champagne. Oh, Champagne. Uh, returned on returned on a four year deal. Trey Jones returned on a two year deal. Sandro Mamu Kelashvili agreed to a two year deal. Nailed it. And then uh, Jetty Jetty Osmond joined via a trade with the Cavs. They also, of course, drafted Victor Wembenyama, or as or as Dan would say, Wembenyana, with the number one pick <laughs> and, and uh, a newbie. City. Sissoko, <laughs> number 44, and a newbie. Such a noob. Um, oh, man. I, I, I want to I start this segment by kicking things over to um, perhaps the number one San Antonio Spurs fan in the world, Mr. Zach Burnham. Zach, how are you feeling about the Spurs <laughs> these days? Dude, I feel great about the Spurs these, these days. They're, they're good, man. They're going to be really fun to watch. They won 22 games last year, and I think they're going to win more this year. I don't know. It's kind of hard to say because the West is going to be tough, but I'll put them at I'll put them at twenty five. Yeah, twenty five is the yeah. over under. A little improvement, a little bit better. But look, and they I thought have, Victor's. Yeah, they have a foundation here that I think is really solid. They have a lot of talent: Jeremy Sohan, Wemby, Keldon Johnson, Devin Vassell, Malachi Branham, uh, Champagne as well. They just got Trey Jones. Like these are all guys who I think are legit NBA players and could be very, very good. Not unlike our beloved Oklahoma City Thunder. Very similar thing where they're under the radar, no one's paying attention, and they've just started to acquire a bunch of talent on that roster. So I think that I think the future looks good for them, man. Victor Wembanyama, the French Chet Holmgren, right? Isn't that what they're, uh, <laughs> they're referring to him as? <laughs> I think it's his nickname on basketball reference, yeah. Yeah, 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 it would make sure. sense. I will. I so real, real quick on Victor. I was looking at a, a picture of all the lottery picks. You know, they always take the picture after a draft night. The the dude is just an absolute monstrosity. Like he's standing next to Derek Lively, who I think is also a seven footer, and he looks like he's twelve, like a, a whole. I was going to say twelve inches, a whole foot taller than Derek Lively. It's insane. Like the pictures of him next to Rudy Gobert, he makes Rudy look like a point guard. Um. Obviously, you know, their their hopes and dreams lie on Victor's development. I think they're going to take things really slowly, which is the wise thing to do. Pop just signed an extension. I think, what, a five-year extension? So he's going to be like 97 by the time this uh, this deal's over. Um, to your point, Zach, they, they have a lot of, of talent. I'm not sure how much of that talent is like has true star potential. I think people, I, I say people because, again, I... I my knowledge of these players is, is fairly limited, but I think people are pretty high on on Vassell's potential to become, uh, you know, the second guy next to next to Victor. But what I'm curious about with this team is how are they going to utilize the assets? They they have a lot of assets to improve the team. Do you guys think that they will make any more moves as the season goes along, or do you guys think they're just going to take things super slowly and maybe revisit next summer? The I tend to think that. You know, I don't know. That, that that's actually a, just that's a good question. I think that they're gonna double down on 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 what they have, right? I think that Pop knows that it's a um, it's gonna be a rebuilding year. To Zach's point, they're probably not gonna win that many games, right? Um, and so I think that they want to see what they have. <laughs> to to me, this team wins my baby. You've got a stew going award from uh, from Carl Weathers in Arrested Development. Right, you got Webinyana. You got a little. Uh, there it is again, little... Webinyana, dude. Come Webinyana. on, I can't, I'm just gonna call him Wemby. I'm just gonna call him. Wemby. There you I go. Can't do it. Or Victor, sorry, or Vic. Victor. Right for Victor. I'm, I'm sorry, Vic. Oh my gosh. Okay, I'm gonna start that one over. You got, you got, got a little Wemby. Th- throwing some Keldon Johnson, some Devin Vassell, add in a little Trey Jones. 
babe, you got a stew going, you know, like, (laughs) (laughs) and, and I, I think that they're, I think they're going to want to see what they have and that this year is going to be a development year. Um, unless they want to trade for Dame, I don't know. Maybe, 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 maybe I have no idea. But I, I, I tend to think that in terms of like the development, there's not really going to be a piece or like tons of pieces that they're going to add, um, that's going to immediately make them a contender or anything like that. And so I, I think that they're going to see what this team is before they try to mess with it. They might, they might make some marginal moves, but I don't think they're going to make any real serious like um asset exchanges at this point yeah i totally agree that it's, it's going to be a year to see what they have and to let these guys develop together i think Wemby is going to have some hardships transitioning to the nba he's going to flash excellent some days and some days he's going to look not great so it's too early to try to make a play for a guy like dame and compete right away especially when the west is as deep as it is but to their to the level of the talent that they already have on the team, I know that they're really high on Bronham and Champagny as potential breakout guys this year. Uh, Zach Lowe beat us to talking about the Spurs, but he mentioned how Trey Jones, this is sort of a make-it-or-break year for him. If he can become like a starting quality point guard, then that sort of shores up that one position that isn't filled. But I personally am super high on Vassell. I think he has all-star upside. He averaged almost 19 points a game, shot 39% from three, and he was able to create. And Like, he's not as good as Shea, so it would be too much to compare him to Shea. But very similar in the way he probes defenses, and his mid-range game sort of mimics what Shea does really well. So the two-man game between Wemby and Vassell, I think, could be something really special going forward. Zach Lowe said that he sees Vassell as, like, an elite, elite third guy on a really good team. I think he could be as good as a second guy. So they, I think they may already have the makings of a potential contender, you know, maybe two or three years down the road once Wemby sort of gets his feet under him and puts some bulk on. Zach, what, what's your, as you think about this team, what's your, your burning Burnham question for the San Antonio Spurs? I, I mean, I had a lot of questions uh, I wanted to go with, but I think I'll stick with talking about Wemby. I want to know what your guys' impression of him is in the little that you've seen of him play when he played in summer league and that sort of thing, do you think that he's going to be able to come out and be like rookie of the year, really good, obvious foundational piece? Or do you think he'll, he'll have some struggles and sort of underwhelm and people will be down on him come next year? Underwhelm is, is the wrong word I'd use. I think he is going to struggle um, just with the speed of the game um, with I think defensively, he's actually like just because he's so long, and that that just covers for like a multitude of sins. I don't think he's going to be like a first team All NBA defense or or anything, but I think somehow he actually is going to surprise some people on on defense, right? Just just because of just God given ability, frankly. Um, and then offensively, well, or to to stick a little bit on the defensive end, I do think rebounding. I mean, him playing with Sohan is, is actually going to be re- really good for him, I think. But I don't think he's – he's not necessarily like a, you know, energy, like hustle. I'm just going to give like everything that I've got on like rebounding and like screening and stuff like that. That doesn't really seem to be him. Um, with, with that said, I think he is – he's still going to be like very good initially defensively. Offensively, again, I don't see him being like a barn burner. But I do see him being like pretty good. Um, offensively, right, where he's not going to be like a 25, you know, a game type of guy initially, but he's going to be able to do some some good things. He's not going to slow down the offense at all either. Um, I think that he can still get like a bunch of points just through like very simple things, and hopefully he'll pick that up from Pop, where I I can really see Pop, you know, being like, hey, you can get an easy like 10 points a game just through being good position, um, you know, feasting off of dunks and and uh, and offensive rebounds and things like that. And I think he can do a little bit creatively with the ball. And I hope that Pop gives him a little bit of a leash to, to do that. But I can't see Pop giving him a long leash to kind of go nuts offensively. So uh, underwhelm is, is the wrong word. Maybe just whelm. I think he's going to be whelming his, 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 his first year. And that, and that will be good enough. <laughs> whelming it up. Um, 
I do think, I mean, the, the underwhelming word depends on what people's expectations are. And I think that unfortunately for him, people's expectations are completely unrealistic for his rookie season, in my opinion. So I best player since LeBron James or something like it's that. It's crazy. I yeah, mean, yeah, so when I'm, you're trying to live no up way. to that type of hype and honestly, you know, other guys, not like other guys in the league don't listen to things that are said. So I think you're going to have guys that are going to come at him every night that he's playing. I do think he's going to underwhelm in that sense. To I, Dan, you hit the, the nail on the head. I, I agree with the, the defensive part. I think he's going to be really good defensively right away. I mean, his length is absurd. His wingspan is what, like over eight feet? It's it's insane. Yeah. So his ability to recover. Crazy. <laughs> who, who do you think will be better defensively in their rookie season, Chet or Victor? Ooh. I think Chet's going to be better. And that's not a homer take. I just think Chet's absolutely more, not. I think Chet's more polished, man. Like he's, he's, you know, he he. I don't know. I, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Event. I think so. I just think his instincts are a little bit more developed than Victor's are. I think Victor's yeah. got obviously higher upside, so I think he's going to be better probably long term. But Chet's already shown. I mean, he showed it in college. He showed it in summer league. Like I already think he has an elite sort of weak side help recovery ability to to block shots that not a lot of guys in the league have so i think he's going to be elite right away but i don't i don't i i don't i would not put money on victor being rookie of the year i don't think that he's going to have the offensive chops immediately to put up numbers that are required to win that type of award i see him as more of like a initially probably like a 12 to 15 points a game maybe like seven to eight rebounds um which again, I mean, those are solid numbers for a rookie. I think he's going to be solid, but I don't, I don't see him as being some. I mean, a part of it is like I just don't even know what he is on offense yet. You know, like sometimes I'm like, okay, is this dude a a wing in a seven six body? Is he actually a more of a four? Is he a five? Does he is he going to do? But but to your point, Dan, I do think he's going to have you know easy ability to 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 catch lobs putbacks, all that stuff should be he he should be able to do that right away. It's the other part of his offensive game that I think is going to take some time to develop. Yeah, I think he I think he's a wing. And that's why I think Chet sort of has the advantage on the defensive end, at least right now. Is that Chet has he knows he's a big and he will be playing as a big in that system. I think they're gonna I think the Spurs are gonna start Wimby out at the four. Uh, until his body can develop and let Zach Collins probably start next to him. And then Sohan will come in to guard the bigger guy and that sort of thing. I think Wemby sort of sees himself as a wing, the way he plays, the way he handles the ball and shoots. Uh, it's more out to in as opposed to in to out. So. Who's going to have the more uh, punchable face this year, Zach Collins or Sohan? <laughs> Zach Collins, easy. <laughs> For me, it's not even a question. Zach, Zach, Collins. Zach, Zach Collins. Collins or Grayson, Adam, Grayson Allen. Oh my! Gosh. Ooh, that, <laughs> that's, no, a, that's a hard one. Good question. Yeah, that that one I'm gonna have to think about. Who is on the all punchable team? That's a good question for later, but we, we need to think about yeah. that. I mean, Grayson <laughs> and Zach Collins are definitely headlining that team. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, we should absolutely put that list together for a future episode. Also, though. maybe a, apparently Jordan Poole. I, I think <laughs> <laughs> nice. Let's see what you did there. To, the, to that point, nice. maybe Kyle Anderson. <laughs> Ooh, hey, hey! Shout out, maybe Rudy. the fire extinguisher that. Uh, <laughs> oh, oh, what's Vanderbilt? his name? Yeah, They're not Vanderbilt. Oh, not Vanderbilt. I, McDaniel's. Yeah, yeah. I always confuse those two. Yeah. Me too. All right. Well, speaking of speaking of punchable faces, let's move on to James Harden and the Philadelphia 76ers, shall we? Um, <laughs> oh you like that transition? Uh, All right. So we're, we're going to talk about the Sixers. This was definitely a team that we tried to uh, to push off for as long as we possibly could. But uh, unfortunately, <laughs> we, again, we're running out of teams. So we got to jump on and talk about this team. They finished last season 54 and 28. That was third in the East. They finished fourth on offense, eighth on defense. They swept the Brooklyn Nets in the first round of the Eastern Conference playoffs before losing in seven games to the Celtics in the second round in pretty devastating fashion. Um, Doc Rivers was fired. Nick Nurse became or was hired as the, the new head coach. James Harden requested, nay, demanded a trade after opting into his contract in the offseason. Um, we'll get into that in a minute. Offseason moves. 
actually a lot more than uh, I initially thought. So we'll get we'll, we'll run through these rapid fire here. Uh, another probably at least honorable mention on the most punchable faces team. Patrick Beverly agreed to a one year deal. <laughs> uh, Mo Bamba agreed to a one year deal. David Duke Jr. agreed to a deal. Danny Green returned on a one year deal. Montrez Harrell agreed to a return on a one year deal. Kelly Oubre Jr. agreed to a one year deal. Paul Reed returned on a three year deal. Javante Smart agrees to a deal, and they did not have a draft pick in the 2023 draft. Where do we want to start with this team? Like, I, I don't even know. The reason why we pushed this off for so long is I don't know what the team's going to look like going into the season. Um, I feel like the hardened talks of or the rumors have kind of died down a little bit, but it feels like that's inevitable that he's going to be traded. Uh, I think Maury's just trying to hold off for as long as possible. I think they're going to break camp and probably the season with Harden on team. I don't think a trade's going to happen. I think Maury's going to stick to his guns and he's going to refuse to trade for anything less than a star or equivalent value that he sees for Harden. Because that's just Daryl Maury. That's what he does. And sometimes he looks really good for doing it, and sometimes he looks like a complete... Well, I won't say the word, but you know what I'm talking about. (laughs) And that's what he's being right now. He should make a trade. He should do something to put... (laughs) Dingus is a good substitute. (laughs) He, He needs to put competent players around Joel Embiid and take advantage of this guy who is an incredible talent, one of the best bigs we'll probably ever see in the NBA. Uh... Like, granted, he, there are some question marks still with Embiid and his ability to really close in big playoff matches, but you can't deny how good he is in his talent and that he should be a championship caliber player. And the Sixers have done a decent job of putting teams around him. Then they've made some terrible mistakes. I think bringing in Harden is always a terrible mistake, but at least they got rid of Ben Simmons in doing it. And the team looked good enough last year. Harden played really well, and I think. Maury knows in his heart of hearts that their best chance is for Harden to come back and and play and try to just be the best pers- the best player he can be, even if he knows that that chance is low because of how disgruntled Harden is. So I don't think Harden's going anywhere. I like the idea of Daryl Morey thinking that he can gruntle Harden and be like, "Look, you can just you can just stay <laughs> stay here." I think, like, I actually think that there might be something to that because Harden just keeps, he just, like, we know his MO. Nobody stands up to him, right? Like, nobody stands up to, to Harden basically since his, since his Houston days. You know what I mean? I mean, I guess, um, was it Mikhail? Who, who was the one that benched him in the fourth quarter and he pouted a ton? Um, yeah, I think, I think that was, like, Kevin McHale. But basically, like, like, nobody stands up to Harden. He's just really used to getting his way and doing whatever. And like, I, I like I disagree with Daryl Morey that he's worth as much as Daryl Morey like thinks he's worth. I I just I'm like no, there's just like not a chance. So I don't think he I don't think any team in their right mind would give up that type of value for for Harden, and and they shouldn't in, in my opinion. But the idea of of Morey sticking to his guns and being like no, I'm not going to let you like push me around. I think it's kind of interesting, and, and Harden is like a little kid in in that sense, and I think that if Maury can like show his backbone, I wonder if Harden will sort of rethink his situation and be like, yeah, like what situation, what basketball situation is he going to go to? That's better than this one. Why would you want to give up playing with Embiid? Like there's, it's stupid. Like, like Harden, I wonder if, if having some time to literally sit in timeout, he's essentially in timeout right now. And I wonder if he like comes to his senses after like sitting in timeout being like, Oh wait, actually I want to play winning basketball. So it's a very, very compelling situation. I don't think James Harden cares about winning. I've said this on the record for the last three, four months, and I'm gonna continue to stick to my guns on that. Uh that's three to four months, last three to four years. Yeah, three to ten four years. years. <laughs> uh he cares about winning MVPs and putting up numbers and making all star teams and it's, I mean, the, the, the proof in that is the sort of like post all-star temper tantrum he threw about not making the team. Um, granted, he probably should have, he probably should have made the all-star team, honestly, but he throws more of a temper tantrum about that than losing and completely pooping the bed against the Celtics in the second round of the playoffs. They 1000% should have won that series. <laughs> they were up 
relatively big in game six. Jason Tatum had a pretty terrible game until the fourth quarter and they completely fell apart. And I know it's easy to use Doc Rivers as the scapegoat for that. um, And he absolutely deserves a lot of the blame, but you've got two Hall of Famers, future Hall of Famers and James Harden and Joel Embiid and, and Harden can't, I don't know, figure out how to get Embiid the ball. Like, what are we doing here? And Harden's one of the best passers we've seen in the last 10 years. So I, your point, Dan, I, I don't think that they're definitely not going to get fair, whatever fair value is back for Harden at this point. It just depends on does, is Maury okay with having a, a five-year-old throwing a temper tantrum on his team versus like, let's just get these vibes out of the locker room and move on with our lives and try to see what else we can do to kind of recoup some of the value. I think what's going to happen is that Harden is going to do what he did at the end of his Houston tenure, which is where he just played terribly. And because he has to show up, he knows that he has to show up and play. Otherwise he's stuck in the same contract a year from now that, that crazy CBA, uh, clause that requires him to play it's it's uh it's really interesting because he can't just like not show up and not play it's not like the nfl so i think he's going to show up and i think he's going to as you said pat throw a temper tantrum and i think at some point the sixers may just ask him to step away from the team and they'll just go with what they have the reason i think they don't make a trade even though i personally would probably take the deal for like norm powell terrence mann and a first round pick I think that's pretty solid value, and I like those guys coming back. Uh, but the reason I think Maury won't do it is apparently with Tobias and Harden coming off the books next year, they could open up almost two max slots, one max and one near max slot. And I think Maury cares more about that. But I don't think Joel Embiid cares more about that. And that's the real issue here. What's going to happen with Embiid if they, they bring Harden into the season on the team let him act out, send him away from the team or whatever happens. And then they they go to the playoffs as like a low seed and get knocked down the first round. Yeah. So they, they may have two almost max slots, but for who, man, I mean, I haven't looked up who the free agents are going to be next season, but I don't think the list is particularly impressive. Right. So I just, man, I, if, if, I think this whole thing is going to completely fall apart. I mean, there's been rumors about Joel not being, happy and potentially thinking about requesting a trade. Um, I think he would be justified in doing so, which I don't say a lot about, uh, about a lot of guys, because I do think it's starting to get a little bit out of hand. Like every single player is like, well, you better do this or I'm going to just request a trade, even though I just signed a four year extension. Um, I just, I, I don't know, man, it's, it's going to be interesting to see what the season looks like for the Sixers. If they do keep Joel, let's say they they either banish Harden to the wilderness or they trade him for something. Like, are, are, What does this team look like from a sort of expectation standpoint? I still think they're probably a top five to six seed in the East, but they're going to be bounced early in the playoffs again. And then it's, I don't know, that, that sort of streak continues, which is just brutal for, for our guy Joel. To answer your question, Pat, um, next year's free agent class as of right now is actually relatively loaded. Kawhi and PG, Drew Holiday, Clay Thompson, DeMar DeRozan, uh, just to name a few. There's Pascal Siakam. There's pretty good players. And because of who Joel is, all of those guys fit around him perfectly. And if they are able to keep from extending Maxi until that happens, then they have Maxi also, who they extend after that. And it could have up to four all-star caliber players on their, on their squad. But is it worth, uh, as, as oh, it's not gruntling, it's disgruntling. Is it worth disgruntling Joel Embiid? I was going to say, is it worth gruntling Embiid, as Dan would say? But No, it's not. <laughs> That's my opinion. I, I, I mean, I don't know. Maybe, maybe uh, Daryl's having conversations with Joel and convincing him that, hey, I just need you to be patient, but... Joel's been patient for the last five, six years. And I know we bring this up what feels like every other pod, but man, they really screwed up things when they chose Ben Simmons and Tobias Harris over Jimmy Butler. I'll leave it at that. Tobias Harris over me. Tobias Harris over me. <laughs> oh man. I love that. Jimmy so, Butler's going on like a whole campaign. This is the last few months. Like he's, I feel like I see him in every single video on social media. 
So I have three burning burn questions. We'll do them pretty quickly though. The first one, and cause they all kind of tie in to one another. The first one is if you were Daryl Morey, not actually, if you were the GM of the Sixers, I don't want you to even think about Morey in this question. Would you take the Norm Powell, Terrence Mann first round pick deal for Harden right now? A thousand percent. I wouldn't think at point five seconds about it. What other bet? What other, what other deals gonna 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 top that? There isn't one out there. Especially getting like draft capital for Harden when in a good player in Norm Powell, it's definitely you know it's maybe seventy five cents on the dollar or whatever like fair market value. I don't. I, it's probably it's an even expiring less than contract that. too. I mean, like, I yeah, know, man. Yeah, it's. Uh, I I agree. I'm like you. You take it. Take the value. Okay. So I think one of the things that goes into them taking that kind of deal is looking at Tyrese Maxey's upside and what they think he can be without Harden there and letting Tyrese be the guy who initiates and runs the offense and uh, has basically is able to spread his wings. Um, so my next question is, what do you guys see as Tyrese Maxey's upside? I see his upside as elite scoring potential. I think he can be a 25 point, points per game guy my concern with him is i i don't know i just think look like he's he's lightning quick he uh is great off the dribble he makes stuff happen he's really good in transition my concern is more about i just don't know if i see the playmaking part of his game as developing into an elite playmaker that they would need at that position so i think he's going to be really good all-star potential but i don't see him being like a, a sort of traditional point guard like you would say about a Harden or other guys that are, are better as facilitators. Yeah, exactly. And I'll say this about the decision-making end of it, because I, I tend to agree about his decision-making and, and the playmaking upside. I think, right, he he doesn't have the vision of a Harden or, or, any, or anything like that. But with that said, I think that in half-court sets, especially in the playoffs, it should be running out. It should be the offense should be running out through Embiid, right? And, and right, hopefully you can get Maxi to a point where he's comfortable in, in those, in those late game situations. But I felt like, again, and I know that Embiid was hampered a little bit by injury in, in the Boston series last year, but there were so many empty possessions where, where, where they weren't getting Embiid involved in the offense. And, you know, you can make good arguments about, like, well, you know, they could they could have done this or that. But you at least got involved in the offense. And I think that Maxi for sure, has the capacity to be like, okay, look, I'm going to get my big, I'm going to get the best player on my team, the best player maybe in basketball, you know, involved in the offense at the end of games. I, I think he for sure has that capacity. It's actually really fascinating to think of it more as, like, the Dwight Howard type magic where it's it's not having an totally. elite point guard that creates your offense it's just having playmakers guys who are good enough with the ball around him so like norm powell terrence mann uh and tyrese maxi these guys fit that bill okay my last one and most important one you have to bet one side or the other 24 not 24 <laughs> 12 months from now joel Embiid has requested a trade do you put money on it or do you not put money on that or let's, or you put money on he hasn't, or he has. Yeah, I would, I would put money that he that he requested trade to, to Pat's earlier point. Writing's been on the wall, man. It's it, it, yeah, yeah. I absolutely see Embiid requesting a trade, a twade, requesting a twade. In I demand months. a twade. <laughs> Get me out of here. <laughs> I cannot speak. I'm so uh, bad. man. Putting money on it. I'll go the other way just for the sake of, uh, of, of, of back and forth takes here. I'm going to say that he does not request a trade in the next 12 months. I think that uh, if, if Daryl can figure something out relatively quickly with this hardened thing, if they can make some noise in the playoffs next season and Daryl can convince him that, look, we've got almost two full max slots. I think Nick nurse will be a great offensive coach for this team. It will be a lot more, creative than doc was um so i'm gonna and, and and you add to that like joel just loves philly man he loves the city he loves the people there and they love him so i'm gonna say that he he uh, he's not out of there quite yet yeah i think i'm gonna side with with you pat i think as crazy as this might seem 
because of his reputation around the NBA. I think Maury might be out. It's more likely to be out in the next 12 months than Joel. Oof, that would be so I could see the ownership group (laughs) going to Embiid and being like, like if he were to like request a trade or start talking about it, they could just be like, look, we're going to get rid of him. We're going to rebuild with these two max slots next to you. You also brought up another thing that's really important about the Sixers. Their best pickup of the year was Nick Nurse better than any of these guys they got for their bench. Uh, Nick Nurse is a significantly better coach, especially from an X's and O standpoint, than, than Doc Rivers is. So if he can get anyone to buy in, if he can somehow get Harden to buy in, especially, that team could be really good under Nick Nurse. All right. On that note, let's sail off into the sunset with uh, Dirty Dan's sloppy, stinky, mud pie moment of the week. Dan, take it away. <laughs> stinky, stinky. Okay. So we skipped over by my request uh, some Buddy Heald news. So I'll get a little bit into that, and then we'll get, get, get to my Madapaya. So Buddy Heald um, requested a number change from the Pacers. He was has worn twenty four through uh, all of his years in the league, which apparently has he's been in the league longer than he's like thirty. Right? Weird. Um, feels like he's twenty five, but he's actually thirty. Um, he was worn 24 through his entire career. This, um, off season, he said that he was changing from 24 to seven. Seven is the number that Jermaine O'Neal wore when he was on the Pacers. And this is where, this is, this is my mud pie moment. Jermaine O'Neal, not happy, not happy at all that his number was still available that the Pacers had not retired his number. And so he puts out this statement. I'm reading directly from his statement on Instagram. I love Buddy and the work that he puts in. My statement has nothing to do with him, Jermaine commented on, the, on his Instagram post. Quote, It is disappointing to watch teams every year recognize and celebrate the players who have been the franchise's be- very best players on and off the court, but yet Pacers don't. It's been confusing and disappointing to say the least. End quote. I'm like, dude, Jermaine, the franchise's very best players on and off the court. I don't know if you remember this little incident at the end of 2005 in Detroit. <laughs> oh my goodness. That's pretty bad. <laughs> like, there's, you know. You know, I maybe maybe he blocked it out from his his memory. I'm just like, I don't I, like. Look, Jermaine O'Neal was was a good player for the Pacers, right? He made played there eight years. I don't remember how many All Star teams he made, but you know, he made five or six All Star teams. Six was, yeah, you know, g- good player. But did they even get to the Eastern Conference Finals when he was on the team? Like, you know, I I don't know. It's just it's just funny that that he's like, oh, I'm mad that Buddy Heald gets to wear, like, my number on the team when, like, yeah, you know, he's, like, fine. But, like, why would – the Pacers only have six numbers retired. Two of the two of the numbers were, were worn by players. Every other number had to do with some, like, like staff member. So the only um, Pacers numbers that are retired are 31 for Reggie Miller, obviously, because he played with the team forever. Um, and then there's, I don't know, it's George McInnes is, the, and I don't remember what his number was, but he was like an ABA player for the Pacers. But but for Jermaine to be like, it, it, it's the on and off the court that gets me too. Like, he's just completely dismissing that the, his most famous moment as a Pacer was for running into the stands and punching a fan. <laughs> like, <laughs> and, and he's like, yeah, my number deserves to be retired. So that is my... Stinky, stinky. Oh, I guess, wait, re- re- also very quickly, kind of the icing on this is that uh, now the Pacers are looking to move Buddy Shield. So after he's like, I'm going to change my number, they're like, yeah, we're going we're gonna to work on, on uh, getting, it, getting you to a place where, where you belong, bud. So maybe I'm wrong. Maybe the Pacers did listen to Jermaine O'Neal. <laughs> I was going to say, maybe that's what uh, <laughs> is the impetus for this uh, this Buddy potential trade, right? They're like, well, Jermaine said that we need to. So was he <laughs> well, on? You know, was he on that Pacers team that made the finals, or was that the year before he joined? I was. He joined in in uh, 
oh, that, 2000, 2001 season. I want to say they made the finals in what, 2000? So maybe it was the season before yeah. he joined. It was 2000 is, is when they made the finals. Okay. But also, that, that team, man in the center for that team was, uh, or manning the flamethrower for that team was Rick Smith. <laughs> the one, the only? Yep. The Flying Dutchman. <laughs> the, the whole, like, whose number should be retired is such an interesting question because what, when you talk about Jermaine O'Neal, you think, yeah, no, why, like, why Jermaine O'Neal? But he is legitimately probably the best, second best player in Pacers history. Second most all-stars, Whoa. second best Whoa. scorer. Not TJ McConnell. <laughs> what about defensive player of the year, Roy Hibbert? Verticality. Yeah, Paul George had some great years there. Danny Granger was good for a couple years, but all short-lived. It will be Halliburton, though. In fact, Halliburton's going to pass Reggie Ooh. Miller. And I say that only because I <laughs> don't like Reggie Miller's commentator. <laughs> hey, man, I, I will double down on that. <laughs> freaking A, man. For it's being the such worst. A killer, it's the worst. <laughs> for being such a killer as a player, right? Like, I love Reggie the player, right? I'm always thinking, like, him and Spike Lee and everything now he's just like oh <laughs> like he, he just <laughs> like, what was that yeah i was gonna say nothing nothing grinds my gears quite like reggie miller announcing golden state warriors games i'm just like dude, oh, this and is he's on worst. every single one every single one <laughs> so i was like oh wow this oh wow the warriors so amazing <laughs> Dude, We're just seeing get somebody this young else, man please. grow up <laughs> right in front of our eyes. Like Steph's thirty-five, dude. He's not a young man anymore. <laughs> oh hey, going back gosh. to Buddy, who's he going to get traded to? Seen a lot of ideas thrown out. The Thunder was a. I say was. I mean, that's I think what that's Zach Lowe said. The, oh no, it was it was it Kevin Pelton? Who was it? He was no, talking it was to? Uh, Bobby. It was Bobby Marks. Well, Bobby Marks. I don't like it. I don't like it. I don't like it either. It was Isaiah Joe in like a, a couple seconds. and No, absolutely not. Why I'd would rather have think... Isaiah Joe on his contract than Buddy Heels exactly. like 19, 20 million well, yeah, bucks that, a year. That's exactly what I was going to say too. It's like, what would the Thunder trade? Like a like a printer? <laughs> like I mean, they've got, a lot, they've got a lot to give away. I don't want to give away any of it though. I like Buddy, look, like he's one of the best shooters in the NBA. So I oh, don't yeah. think we should downplay that. I think any team would be lucky to have him. I think the, except for the Thunder. I think the idea of him Just to Orlando, <laughs> Orlando was interesting. They need shooters. Yeah, they they do need shooters, but they need a point guard more than they need shooters at this point. Wait, you wait, keep saying what? that they have what? like six guards Markel on the Fultz? team. You're like no, Markel Fultz's number one guy. No, I'm not Markel Fultz's number one guy. Okay, then I'm I am. Franz Wagner and <laughs> they Paolo, <need>. Paolo Bancaro's <laughs> number one guy. Zach, they just need they need an organizing they principle, need... right, Dan? Thank you. Thank you, Pat. You took the words right out of my mouth. Yeah, Look, they were, you want great, someone but... elite there, but Markel Fultz is good, and he, Buddy Heald is like the exact opposite of Markel Fultz, you know? I think that is a good pairing. <laughs> yes, <laughs> like opposites attract type of thing. <laughs> yeah. Wait, Dan, what point guard do you want on the, on the Magic? Because I hear you keep bringing this up, and I'm like, they've got some young guys, too. They just brought in Anthony Black. They've got Markel. He... Yeah, I don't think they got Jalen Suggs. They got Cole Anthony. One of those guys no, has the, to pop. Yeah. <laughs> They're looking at moving Cole Anthony. They're like, ah, we don't like him. And frankly, yeah. I agree with them. Like, Cole Anthony is like, I want to score the ball. Like, no, He's a you're good on a six man. With, you're, you're on a team yeah. with Franz Wagner and Paul Bancaro. Like, like, your job is not to score the ball. Like, they don't need a scoring guard is, like, my is, is my thing. They, they need a guard who can set the table for their waves and waves and waves of pigs. Oh, so maybe Rondo? That's Anthony Black. Rondo. Actually, yeah. When you were like, "What point guard would you want?" I'm like, I don't know. 2012 John Rondo <laughs> would be too much to ask? ideal. Yes. <laughs> you said okay. Uh, the only other, man. only other two places I've seen for Buddy Hield that makes some sense to me are maybe swapping Brogdon for him in Boston. Oh, that's having a shooter there because Brogdon is also sort of disgruntled. Because he was mm-hmm. in the trade rumors before. I don't like losing that point guard, but he might be unhealthy anyway, so why not? And then the the Tim Hardaway Jr. swap is also interesting oh, yeah. in Dallas. Wow, that's interesting. I, I, I think I like what THJ brings in Indiana more than I like what Heald brings there. 
Um, yeah, THA brings a l- little bounce. Um, he, a little he's more still a little more playmaking. Yeah, yeah. I think Heald is a better yeah. player overall, but uh, I think Hardaway does a little bit more of what Indiana is going to need. So. I think Heald would feast next to Luca as well. Exactly. I think it's right. Like he yeah. would. Oh, right. Because yeah. he's. Could you imagine? He, he's right. like one of the best spot up shooters in the NBA. Yeah. yeah, yeah, like if, yeah, 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 he'll would, would totally feast next to Luka. And they there need are other guys. teams, like, there are contenders that I think could definitely use him. They just, I, I don't think they have the assets, right? So, like, Milwaukee was thrown out. I'm just like, I don't know what, yeah. I don't They'd know what they trade, would. Uh, I think it was Grayson Allen, Pat Connaughton, and Marjan for, yeah, to get healed. And that's like, you're gutting the little depth that you have just to get him. Yeah. He would feast, All right, well, though. Yeah. I think uh, I think Dan has to get ready for some priestly duties, so uh, <laughs> or to recover from his wet from the wedding he went to yesterday and all the dancing he did last night. Right, Dan? <laughs> Crushed it on the dance floor. All right, boys. Nope, totally well, nailed it. Same time next week. Oh yeah. Peace. Have a great week, right, boys. Later, guys. Peace. Yeah.